if Maria supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah, there you go. Sending out good vibes. Fast forward now to the porn kids. If all they see with no alternatives, no education in school about making love, no education in school about sensuality. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. A little deja vu episode as we're going to be chatting with um, Dr. Miller again. So, Dr. Richard Lewis Miller, this time we're going to be talking about uh, sex and uh, things like that, as opposed to psychedelics, which should line up good for episode 269, which is perfect for the one and only Graham Sex Perv Dunlop. Oh, thanks, buddy. Fuck, you fucker. I thought you liked that. I don't like that. What do you mean? You got excited last time. You're like, it's better than Pred. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> well, it seems like there is something wrong with it, with, you took offense to it. With being a pervert? Yeah. Well, it depends on how you look at it, I guess. It's going to be like, you know, like geek was or, or nerd was, you know, back in the day. Now it's cool. Yeah. Some of them went the other way, though, like goof. <laughs> goof went the other way? Yeah. Like, it was like, when I was a kid, you could call someone a goof. And, and by the time I deal? was like a teenager, you get fucking stabbed <laughs> for that shit. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I remember like first figuring out that goof was a bad one. Like, really? People were getting like really upset about it. And I was just like, I don't know, man. Wow. I was thinking like goofy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Turns out it's a big deal. Wow. It's weird. That eh? must have been only in northern Al- northern Ontario. That it was a big deal or yeah, that I don't it wasn't? Think goof is, I don't think I goof think it's is... a jail thing. Oh, you think? I think it's a jail thing. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what like, other I think if think. you call someone a goof in jail, it's a big deal. Oh, wow. Hey, Google, what's a goof? Goof, a mistake. That's it. We're hey, all goofs. That's all <laughs> We're all goofs in our own right. Maybe that's why, because you're calling somebody a mistake, like a bastard, because bastard was like that, right? You're calling me a bastard. Was it? Yeah. I was a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk to your mom about that. She's coming in the studio. Two soon. weeks. Two yeah. weeks. Yeah. We're going to address right. the James Cruz situation. Yeah. Good. So, yeah, this is a fun episode. It was a fun he's, episode. He's great, Dr. Miller. It's good times. Yeah. It's a little, it comes close to coming off the rails once or twice, but we managed to keep it firmly on the tracks. Yeah. It was a little unusual for us to be talking about this. It on was. The podcast. Yeah. It yeah. was. Yeah. Caught us off guard, but uh, Richard was such a blast that. Uh, yeah, he's got a book coming out called Sexual Healing, and it's not out yet. No. But it's coming out. It's coming out soon. Coming out. Yeah. Quickly becoming a good friend of the show. He coming? Yeah. <laughs> it be coming. So how you been, buddy? Okay. Yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. How you, how you doing? Good. 
catching up on the back catalog finally. Frigid February yeah. is kind of pissing me off. Well, yeah, it's getting a bit annoying now. It is. I mean, it really doesn't, it's not that, like the, this minus 1520 is okay for me. It's not that big of a deal, but it just, <laughs> it just, it's just. A, it pisses me off because they don't use salt here. So it's like we just had, and it's like once in a while you got to make the exception. Like when you have a blizzard, well, it's minus 25 out. That's And the happens. fucking city freezes fucking solid. You got to throw a little salt down. Yeah, it's ice. It's because ice now it's, it's fucking ice everywhere, everywhere I go is a fucking skating rink. Yeah. So when the light turns fucking green, like four cars get through because they're all fucking spinning out. Yeah. yeah. And it's just a gong show. Like even today, driving over the Deerfoot, holy fuck. Yeah. It's unbelievable to me that fucking three days after the storm. No, you're right though. It's about the, it's about the, how bad it is before it snows, right? If it's if it's bare and mm-hmm. it's not that cold and it snows and well, I think when it's that cold, it's hard to get rid of that shit. So you just got to <laughs> lay down a fucking shit ton of salt. So why don't they do it in Calgary? Because it destroys very... vehicles. It's real bad for the environment. They do it back east, right? Back yeah. east, they do it like fucking crazy. That's why you never buy a car from Ontario out here because nine times out of ten, if it's an older car, it's not going to pass through. So all the gravel that they throw out there and they pick up every year, like they actually sprinkle gravel everywhere. Yeah. And then pick so it up. So instead of wrecking year, your underbody here, like you do in and Ontario, and it just turns the, the plants black, yeah. everything's black. So here that doesn't use hurt gravel, the environment. It just smashes the shit out of your windshield all the time. I'd like to fuck challenge them on that. You see how black and dirty everything gets, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the medians where there's the the, stu- the pl- plants and the grass and the flowers in between. Yeah. It's all just black, black, black. From all the dirt and gravel. Yeah, dirt and gravel. So that's okay to the environment, but the salt's really that much more damaging. I guess. I like your thing about just doing it like once. This doesn't happen very often where no. it's already cold, there's snow, and then it really snows again. Like it layer upon layer. Just so it's only like once a year, if that. I mean, once every couple of years when it gets this bad. Yeah. Salt it and then it's gone. Then go sweep up the salt or something. Because it is hard on vehicles. Like, I mean, Ontario, it's hard to find a vehicle in on northern Ontario that isn't fucking rusted right out. Yeah. For sure. So I yeah. could see that side of it. I'm glad that you don't have that problem here. Yeah. Where you got to, because then the problem is you got to be at the car wash like fucking once every couple of weeks over the winter. Washing the underbody. Well, we do too. I mean, it's get everything gets messy really quick here. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it looks like it's going to be slippery all week. Yeah. It doesn't right. look Just like it's going to warm up for a couple of weeks. I'll take it slow. And hopefully March will get yeah. into spring real quick. Hopefully. Yeah, the chats have been active lately. The chats are fucking blowing up. Speaking of chats, how was your fucking entrapment on the weekend? Oh, fuck. It's frustrating. I bet. Emergency vehicle, and that's gonna be a dang. I was kind of listening to an old song, and I was like in this other world. And I knew if I was going slow enough past the cop, it would be fine. But I saw the guy turn around behind me. I watched him turn around behind me, and he was way back there. And I'm like, he can't be pulling me over. I'm going the speed limit. I'm gonna stay under the speed limit. I passed the guy who's pulled another guy over, going like ninety something, thinking it was I was cool. You know what? I find it awkward slowing down to sixty. Yeah, I, I find think. it awkward. I feel like I'm doing something wrong, going that slow. Like I'm, what do they call it when you're gazing at the fucking accidents and stuff? Rubbernecking? Like rubbernecking or lollygagging or whatever. And lollygagging? So I'm, like, so I'm like, I don't want, so I just thought if I go in the 90s and then the guy fucking pulls behind, like way down the road, a couple miles down the road, 
and he fucking pulls me over. He's like, you're speeding past that that cop pulled that pulled. I the thought you were allowed. Over. Were you in this close lane or the? There's far only lane? two lanes. There's only it's only a one oh, lane. Oh, so you have to slow down because I think I if, did slow if down. it's a divided was, highway. I'm going like 140. So like, yeah, if it's a divided highway, I think you're okay if you can get a lane away. But if you're in that direct lane, you got to slow down to 60. That's rural in Alberta now too. Well, it's a pretty new rule, right? So what they do is they travel in pairs probably and trapping people, right? One guy pulls the guy over and then the other guy trolls around waiting for somebody to go by him at over 60 kilometers an hour. So he he comes up and he says, I go, I was was like, totally, I didn't know what, I was like, what? 60? I forgot. I totally didn't really know. He's like, oh, there's a sign at the border. I'm like, oh, I didn't know. He comes back, $375 ticket or something like that. Really? Like, you could have given me a break, buddy. Like, he says I was going 99. I don't know. It's just super annoying. I think that I'm going to yeah. fight it. I'm oh, going to fight it. I do Fuck fight him. it. Yeah, you got to fight it. Here, I here's like, I fight them all. Do you? I haven't got one in a long time, but it's about 50% of the time that they don't show up. Yeah. Because the cops don't get paid for court. Plus, this entrapment thing. They probably fucking don't show up. They just count on half the people... No, it's more than that. It's more than that. But I mean, three fifty. Give me a break. It's not like I was going one hundred fifty. Is almost worth it. See, because most of the tickets are like one hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, or even three hundred bucks. Are in that zone where it's like, if you're an hourly employee, is it worth one hundred and fifty? You probably make one hundred and fifty bucks in a day. So you're gonna lose a day's work to go down and fight the ticket that you may or may not win. Yeah. So if you lose, you're out three hundred bucks, and if you win, you broke even. So I went looking for the sign because I didn't fucking believe him that there was a sign there. But if you're salary, then you just book the holiday, you book the day off, you go down and you fight it, you're getting paid, and you get the ticket off. That's a double win. The one time I went down there, I fought it, so I got pulled over. I was driving with an expired license. So I'm I'm totally in the wrong. I'm driving, my license is expired. They pull me over. I've got a warrant out for my arrest. (laughs) What? So, like, I'm on my way to go pick up my girlfriend at the time to go to a movie. This is 10 years ago. We're, I'm going, we're going to a movie or something. I'm going to pick her up. This, I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm thinking that I'm doing nothing wrong. Driving down, all of a sudden the cherry's behind me. Oh, what's going on? Pull over. Fucking boom. Guns out. Get out of the car. What? <laughs> yeah. In Canada? Yeah. On fucking 17th. Oh, ter- oh, wow. 17th. Oh, right God. over here. Just down the road from the igloo. So they haul me out of the fucking car, handcuff me, throw me what? in the back of the fucking truck. I'm like, I have no fucking clue what's going on. I'm like, what is going on? And they're like, you have a fucking warrant out for your arrest. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, and you have an expired license. We pulled you over because you had an expired license. Because they can run my plate, seen the expired license. Then the fucking warrant comes up. So then they pull me over arrest me. They've got me like, the cuffs are tight. They're in behind me. I'm in the back. I'm like, come on, man. What's your girlfriend doing at the time? Not there. She ran? No, she was at home still. Oh, oh, you're going to pick her up. Right, right, right. So then they fucking check it out. They run it because at this point it just says it's a warrant. They don't know what it's for. Just a warrant. So they run it. It turns out the warrant's for an, an unpaid fucking noise violation ticket. No. And Buddy's like, what? Oh, man. He's like, do you want to put those cuffs around front? And I'm like, yeah, man, that'd be nice. (laughs) 
So right away they're like, sorry. They're like, what does that mean? They're like, all we see is warrant. We didn't realize. What does that mean what, around front? They change it so your hands They cuffed are... me in front. No. Because I'm like in back. They're treating me like I'm a fucking dangerous felon because it just says warrant. So then when they figure out it's a misdemeanor warrant, I'm just like, can I just pay the fine? And they're like, uh, no one's ever asked that before. So they take me down to the station. The fine for the noise violation? The no- What's oh, that, the noise it. violation? A party? Yeah, I was having a party and the cops came. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I got a ticket for 75 bucks. Never paid it. I didn't realize that. I figured it was like the other tickets. I'll pay it when I register my yeah, car. Yeah, exactly. Turns out a noise violation and a C-train tickets, those turn into warrants after 15 days. Wow. So I get arrested on this, brought down to the station. Then they charge me with... Uh, driving with an expired license was 355 bucks. Then my license had a crack in it. So they charged me with a mutilated license. This is another fucking $395. And then I've got this noise, but the only ticket I have to pay to get out of jail is a noise violation ticket. So they take me down to jail. I'm in jail for like 20 minutes and they get me out in time to, I can go see the person there. And it was just by luck. I had cash on me because they're like, "We, we don't take debit. Only cash. So if I didn't have cash on me, I would have had to call one of my friends to bring the cash down and fucking pay this ticket. So I had to, I had the cash. So I'm able to pay the ticket. I get out of jail and I'm like, I got no car. <laughs> I'm walking because they've impounded my car now. And I'm like, fuck how, if my license is expired, it should be allowed to be mutilated. Cause it's not. Well, yeah, exactly. Once it's expired, it's not. That's why you started using valid it for anymore. Your, that's why you started using yeah. it for, you know. What? So then, so I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to fight it. Because I, they're, they're going to drop one of the tickets. They can't charge me with an expired license that's cracked. So I went, a cop didn't show up, all thrown out. All of it? All of it. Except for your Even the expired license. license. Really? Eh? Yeah. They just didn't show up. Cop didn't show up. What does the judge say? He's like, uh, he's like, when the police don't show up to things like this and they don't take the court seriously, people like you benefit because I just dismiss all charges. <laughs> I was like, yeah, baby. <laughs> they were bullshit anyways. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They did get my noise violation out of me, though. Yeah, I was in jail for 20 minutes. Wow. So you think there's any way... So I went and took a picture of the sign at the border of Saskatchewan and Alberta. Do you think there's any way I can get away with it? So it says, slow to 60 km an hour, right? When passing tow trucks and emergency vehicles. Fines start at $140. And they end fucking who knows where. They don't end. <laughs> I got more than double that. Well, it's good. So is there any way, like, when... Pa- I mean, I don't really take this as when somebody's pulled over. What would you call a police vehicle? Emergency? Yeah, that's a good point. That's emergency vehicle. I think of that as, like, ambulance and fire trucks. Oh, they're all emergency. But he's got his lights on. Yeah, because he's in an emergency situation. He's not. He's just pulled a guy over. Yeah, it's like, an emergency. It's actually probably a fake guy. He doesn't want you to he's fuck. He's probably pulled over an empty <laughs> he's car. pulled over his friend. <laughs> you should have went back. I want to see who's in that car. Exactly. Because, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't want I don't want a cop to just get run over trying to give a guy a ticket because you're not paying attention either. So there's well, that's that. Not, that's nothing to do with paying attention. <laughs> Speed and paying attention are completely two different things. Actually, I'm paying way more attention the faster I'm going. Unless you're texting. <laughs> but you I guess I mean? if you're going fast, you're not texting. You think people on the Autobahn in Germany are fucking lollygagging and just dozing off? No, because they're going 180 kilometers an hour down the Autobahn. They're way more focused on what's going on. When you're going a 
90 kilometers an hour. Not driving you within fu- they're also not driving within six inches of a cop that's on the side of the road doing his job. I wasn't, I pulled around him a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. How I much? gave him like, I don't know, four feet. He was in, there wasn't on the, not standing there. He's in the fucking car. Yeah. If, if he was standing there, like then maybe. I don't like how they trapped you. Yeah. That is pretty greasy. And you're in the middle of nowhere. Like if you're any, in the, there's yeah. no town anywhere near. If anything. I'm a hundred kilometers from any town. Yeah. If anything, that guy's got to like chase you down himself. The problem and is, then it's legit. If that guy's like, fuck that, and he like hops into his car and chases you down. There you go. Then you take that Because I ticket. fly by him by like a foot away. But if they're traveling away. in fucking pairs, then it's in traffic. The problem is the guy comes across super nice. He was a <laughs> soft-spoken, so, because then you're nice, nice cop. And I'm like, okay, this guy's going to just go back and say, <laughs> give me a warning. And he comes back and slaps me with a $350 <laughs> ticket. You go, man, have a nice day. Uh, like, what am I supposed to say? I'm like, what, buddy? He's like, oh, I was watching you. But I think he was, I think I passed the guy before he clocked me. Like, I don't even think he was behind me at that You'll time. You'll never win that. Plus, then you have to I drive. Win you it. Have... Can I say that in court? Where did it happen? I thought he was in the middle of fucking So you have nowhere. to drive to Saskatchewan for court. So this is already fucking, you're not fighting it. Are you going to drive to Swift Current for fucking five hours each way? Just spend more in gas. And so what happens if I don't pay it? Then if I get pulled over again in Saskatchewan, then the guns come out and yeah. Then then I don't know what happens. I still have a bunch of unpaid fines in Ontario. They're pretty nice. Like the last time I got a ticket in Saskatchewan, the guy says, uh, "You're going way too fast. I dropped you down below the forty kilometer over limit," and he was super nice about it. And I you can't argue with that. I'm like, thanks a lot, dude. This one time I, I had my radar detector on and I came flying over the hill. I was like, again, I was thinking I should have fucking slowed down over the hill. Yeah, like you got to watch those hills because you come over and it's forever and your and radar, then, it's too late. And then it goes off and I slam on the brakes and it's not. lights up. <laughs> yeah. And then his lights, woo, yeah. right away. That's what happened to me when I flew to Ontario. When I bought my little Sunfire, I flew to Ontario to go pick it up. And of course, radar detectors are illegal, like, so I'm grabbing my phone off the dash. Yeah, the radar I had detector, a radar off the detector dash, too. Like I'm chucking everything. We had a radar detector, and we're like, "Fucking!" We flew all the way to Red Lake. That's 18 hours away. We flew there because I bought this car. I had a great deal on a car, so I flew there to pick it up to drive it back. Stayed there one night. The next morning, driving back, it's like me, my buddy Kyle, my buddy Dave, and we fucking hit the highway. The speed limit's 80. So I'm doing like I'm. It's all, so hard there uh, to do 80. <laughs> I'm only you doing can do like 120, no yeah. problem, without even yeah. fucking pushing so I'm, the gas. I'm doing 135, and that's I get not pulled even over. Too fast. And, and Buddy's being nice; he's doing the same. So I'm being nice too because I'm trying to get out of this ticket. And he's like, "Get out of the car." I'm fucking. They fucking. He gives me this ticket and this other notice that they're impounding my car for seven days. Takes my fucking driver's license away and gives me a $700 speeding ticket. <laughs> and he was being nice about it at first. And yeah. Then he just, yeah. Like, and then I just started being such out of a the dick. car. So then he fucking, we're stuck between these two towns in the middle of fucking nowhere. This fucking cop leaves me on the side of the road with my car waiting for the tow truck oh. because he's going in the other direction. So Kyle and Dave, they were planning on coming all the way back to Calgary. They were like, well, fucking, we can't wait a week. Cause I'm like, I'm not flying back to Calgary flying. I just have to call work and say, Hey, I'm stuck here for a week. Because you got your new car. You bought your car yeah, there. Yeah. So now I'm, this turned into a week-long holiday. 
So he takes my other two buddies. He continues. They hop in with the cop, and he drives them up the highway to the next town because Kyle knows people in the next yeah. town, so that he can figure out how the fuck he's going to get back to Calgary. He, yeah, he ended up having to bum a ride and fucking fly. Oh. And actually, my buddy Dave, he just called his work and said fuck it, and he ended up. I went home and fucking got my other buddy to drive me out to your falls like an hour away, pick him up and bring him back. He's like, fuck it, I'll stay here and fish for a week and go with you. <laughs> so I had to wait a whole fucking week and then go get my fucking car back so we could drive back. And I was like, I'm not driving in Ontario. So he drove us out of Ontario. But I still think I, st- I ended up losing my license for fucking 60 days and got like $2,800 in fines. I got charged with street racing. That time? Stunting. Not that time. That time, yeah. That one little episode? Yeah. That one little episode cost you $2,800? Yeah, and I got charged with reckless. It's going 135. See, this is the problem. 135 is nothing. It's barely the speed limit here. So reckless driving, street racing, and stunting I got charged with. What's stunting? Driving 135 is stunting. As in like stunt man? (laughs) I guess. (laughs) What the? 135 kilometers an hour. Yeah. So and so, did, what did you say? And then I still, for a while, every time I thought I had a warrant in Ontario, but they just sent it to collections. I think. What did What did you say? Like when you started flipping, when you started finding out, like he's like, get out of the car. I was like, you're the biggest piece me, of shit in the world, you, did you motherfucker. Did you say that? Yeah, I was like, you happy? You proud of yourself? Just fucking take my car for doing 135 on this shitty road in this shitty town in the middle of nowhere with yeah, no fucking in the traffic of around. Fucking nowhere. Oh, it's just disgusting. Like within, if you were to, if you were to fucking draw like, and then Montana. Right below us, you can go fucking as fast as you want. It's brilliant, and you know what? People don't abuse it. Well, I mean, there's probably. I think they've limited it because exotic cars were starting to go to Montana to fucking fly down the road. But so they limited to what one sixty is it or one forty or something like that? Miles? No, 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 no like one forty kilometers, I think, or something. But you know, so you can go one fifty. That's pretty comfortable speed, and it's no big deal. You know, yeah. you feel like you're getting somewhere. Yeah. Your cars these days go so fast. I mean, it's ridiculous trying to hold you back to 80. How how can you get anywhere going 80? It's pretty brutal. And then you're on the road longer. So there's more accidents. See, this is the problem. Throughput. You get from destination A to B fastest. You're off the road. There's less traffic. There's less accidents. Teach people how to drive fast. Hmm. Like they do in Germany. I bet you if I give you a look at the accident rates, it's probably way worse. Here. Sure. You bet. You should look into that first. (laughs) (laughs) I made an argument about that once in a class, in a a night night school class. I used to try all that bullshit too. Like you should be able to get a special license to drive faster if you pass a test. Get a special license plate. Speeder. Yeah. It's not going to happen. So I interrupted you. You'll be lucky if you're allowed to fucking drive in 10 years. I I, I interrupted you there. I was, uh, you were saying about, um. Hmm. I, when I when I said about Montana, you're just getting into something about. I don't know. I'm sick about talking about speeding tickets. Uh, anyways, yeah, good to hear those stories. I don't. Okay, we're gonna drive like before, fucking but... 15 hours here in a couple months. You don't get fucking impounded. Yeah. What happens if you get fucking little pulled bit... over doing like a hundred miles over the speed limit in the states? Yeah. Everyone's on their best fucking behavior when that cop's walking up to the fuck, yeah. you know, especially when they're Canadians. We're just worried we're going to get shot to shit right away. So you think he threw, maybe he threw the stunting one at you because you t- called him a piece of shit. No, I didn't. I waited until I had all that in my hand. Once I realized that he was throwing the full extent of the law at me, I went from nice guy to dick mode real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
up until I was real nice until I seen the stunting and blah blah blah. I was just like, you are the biggest oh, piece of shit in the world. <laughs> yeah, something else. Is that the OPP? Mm-hmm. Oh, you down with OPP? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. All right, well, let's get on to something else here. Jeez. So yeah, support the show. Carmerica.ca <laughs> slash support. Uh, do that if you can. We do have, if you check out the new. We do have a brand new expanded support page now. So if you haven't been over there in a while, uh, we changed it up a little bit. We added the Patreon link for the people that don't like PayPal. So there's a Patreon link on the support page. As well as now we have weekly, monthly, and yearly subscriptions up there. Um, a few people had asked for some more options, so I spent some time put those together. So now you've got, um, I think there's 10 different weekly options, 10 different monthly options, and 10 different annual options. So that way you only have to pay once a year for those people who don't like getting dinged all the time. Uh, which worked out, works out pretty good, which is nice. Actually, I think we, got our, we, we already got our first annual subscriber. Nice. Yeah. And then we got a few patrons already, so people have been uh, appreciating the patron. I think we've got four patrons. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so we're going to try try those things out, as well as the link is, of course, on that page to get you over to the black budget. There's a big red lettering there that says click here for supporter-only content. That's if you don't use the RSS feed. I've now included all that in the email I send out. So Good. when I send out the email, it'll have the RSS feed for the black budget if you're going to use a podcast player and if you're listening via spotify or youtube or something like that it's going to have the website url when you click on the website url it's going to ask you for a password the password will be in the email as well nice so check that out guys if you can sign up for a monthly if you can i mean those those really are the oh another new feature they added so i added the new paypal donate button instead of the old one so it's the new paypal donate button so it only does it for a monthly but if you want a custom subscription now, you can do that on your own. If you just go to the one-time donation box down at the very bottom of the support page, you can type in whatever number you want, and there's a box underneath you can check that'll make it a monthly. So now people can make their own custom subs okay. without me having to do it, Cool, which is cool. Like I say, there's about 30 different subscription options on the support page now as well as the patron. And the patron, I think, has about... Um, 15 different options nice of course uh, we don't do levels or anything at the patreon here's the deal if you sign up for the patreon you're gonna get a special fucking role in the discord app just like all the other supporters are blue so if you sign up for a patreon account and you're on discord it's gonna turn you blue in the grimerica chats other than that uh we don't do perks or anything because of course we are just offering value for value. So there's no, patrons aren't getting any rewards that the other supporters aren't getting. It's the same. Everyone gets the black budget support feed. And you just put in, in our new feed, in our free feed, which, um, you know, the main feed, we put extra content in there all the time as well. You put a, a bonus sneak peek in there from the black budget. That was black budget number nine with Red Pill Junkie and Alex Sakaris from Skeptico. So that's uh that's kind of like an idea of what some of the black budget is. Like. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, that's right. That's in there now. If people go at the last episode, I think it says sneak peek or something like that. Yeah. That was our episode nine of the black budget with Alex Karras and RPJ. It was one of the ones, one of the funner ones. So I figured I'd throw that out there. It's been, it's about six months old now. So it works out. It's a little bit older. Yeah. I don't feel so bad uh, sharing it with the group. No, and good. it kind it's of gives you guys teaser, an idea yeah. of what we're up to. In the black budget. Yeah, feed. and then we just did. You put the one from uh, below in there as well. Yeah. So we have a, the latest one in the black budget is really cool. Our 
our friend B comes on the show and you're allowed to say Brian, Brian comes on the show and uh, we talk about uh, like the whole global geopolitic thing and the deep state and oh, the occult kind of just, it's, it's just a really good episode. Mind blowing. He's a super smart guy and got a really good um, take on things. Very non-biased and non-dogmatic. It's called getting geopolitical with it. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. So, Lots more coming. Absolutely. So check those out, guys, if you can. It's all on the support page, growamerica.ch slash support. We'll get you to all those links. If you want to go directly to the Patreon, it is uh, growamerica or patreon.com slash growamerica. So, yeah, sign up for a monthly, guys, if you can. It really does help. Uh, we're still not quite at 1% support levels. We'd love to get to 1% or 2% one day. And it uh, just opens up the door to a bunch of little things that we can't can't do without support. Like keep doing the show. Yeah, exactly. Which I'll roll into. Maybe I'll roll into this first out of that, actually. Bingo, bingo, social media jingle. Don't forget to rate, comment, and or subscribe to the grind. So on that note, I'm going to jump into the uh, YouTubes for a second. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And jump over to... Well, that's actually... There's the one comment from uh, Original Larry that brought me here. But we'll start at the bottom. Is that Larry America? No, it's just Original Larry. Okay. So we've got one from friend of the show, STVBRSN. He comments on most of our videos. Dude in the illustration has a really worried look on his face. Maybe he's thinking, if they can regenerate my entire freaking arm, why can't I get some nipples? <laughs> oh, come and he's on. talking about the episode art, yeah. the individual episode art. Yeah. Thanks, oh. thanks to Nap for all our episode art. Absolutely. We got the best art in the business. He just made the new Good Vibes art. Yeah, that's right. You see that? Uh, we got from, again, from Steve Burson. I'm just guessing. It's S-D-V-B-R-S-N. Steve Burson. Oh, come on, Graham. Just own it. I am Grom. Own what? Getting called Grom. Uh, what an excellent interview, chaps. Please find attached to my spare kidney. Here we got from Original Larry. Wouldn't it be nice if all those 3.9 thousand subscribers supported the show? I did. It's only a buck a month for all you cheapskates out there. Even I can afford that. Yes, Graham, it's me, La America. I really <laughs> oh, appreciate that you and Darren uh, work regularly. He just answered the question I Don't just asked. on his email. Uh, I really email? appreciate that you and Darren work regular jobs and find the time to put out these great shows, not to mention the money it must cost you both. To me, the guests are just a bonus. I like listening to you guys ramble. Nice, thanks. On number 268 from Ron Fagali. Riveting episode, and goddamn, Darren, you always come at Grom with hilarious ball breakers. Thank you, dudes. So, worst case scenarios of regenerative cell therapy versus cloning. Essentially, cheap access to the proliferation of mutant powers for the many versus replicating a bunch of ruling class narcissistic fuckers, of which there are already one too many. Obviously, team regenerators. 
Get that kidney love, Graham. <laughs> and from Kelly Boyles, the paid vaccine injured have gag orders put on them. Big Pharma is just one of the darkest entities on the planet. Wow. So I got some from Instagram. I can. Yeah, this is from uh, Think Not. He says uh, this is based on our episode. So you can check us out on Instagram, the Graham Eric Show podcast. This is from episode 267, Dellen Over Star, Livingston, and Brian Kenworthy. An intriguing and notable episode. I found the subject matter a little disjointed at first, but once I finally understood where Mr. Livingston was coming from, it all began to fit in place. Although I could not, in all honesty, relate to the subject matter and more particularly his interpretation, Mr. Livingston certainly believes his own narrative. Graham and Darren maintained their neutrality and their questions were interesting and direct, if not always answered in the expected manner. <laughs> This still made for an interesting episode and kept me listening to the end. I actually like episodes like this as they help to define one's own perspective. And it's always good to listen to a different perspective. My listener rating is seven mushrooms out of ten. Thanks, think not. And then he also commented Seven out of ten, that's it. He says I would have oh he's he's a he's always right. rating us more than that, I think. This Don't is, send was, in your fucking synchros. He says, I would have liked to hear more from Brian Kenworthy and the C SETI program. Please if you can, oh, where did that go now? Please, if you can, get him in the igloo for a proper chat and talk more about Graham's experiences and the group's adventures in the wild places of Canada. So we'll do. We'll have Brian in here one day. We'll have a, our C. I was thinking on the way here. We'll have Brian and a couple other people from our group in here. We'll have like four or five of us. And we'll have a little round, a C. Seti round table. Fuck yeah! And you can meet some of the, my C. Seti right. pals. Perfect. Tag him for release in the wild. Okay, there we go. <laughs> we had the new moon, dark sky, which is great. <laughs> had a plan, <laughs> camping, pitched a tent, went back there for the night. Darkest night. Darkest night. <laughs> so I had to read that meditation, did the singing bowl, and that shit starts happening. Pow, pow, pow. Okay, okay. We started seeing flash bulbs. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 That's gonna end up. That's gonna end up in its own. Okay. 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 Who am I thinking of when you say that? I don't know. It reminds uh, me Joe of Joe Pesci, maybe. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Gone fishing. Okay. You want the UFO quote, and then we better wrap this thing up. We got an interview starting in four minutes. Farrell's waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I got two small ones here. The Air Force has never denied the possibility that interplanetary spacecraft exist. There are many people in the Air Force who believe in UFOs. That was Albert M. Chop from the USAF press liaison. Doesn't give me a year that time. And uh, the next one is another small one here. It isn't a question of whether or not flying saucers exist. The question is, what are they and who do they belong to? That was from George Filer. Flyer. Oh, it says Flyer, but I think it's Filer. Air Force Intelligence Officer, 1958 to 1978. Wow, you know, you, have it. you know that guy's name well enough that you can correct yeah. it? Yeah, I think so. That is because there's a fi there's a filer's files that he's got like a database of files. That guy, I think George uh, Filer. What? Filer, Filer's files. You mean that's not his last name? That's his last name, Filer. So 
<laughs> and he made a filer's files, right? He's, <laughs> what? I, I don't, don't know. I thought you were saying his name was Filer because he was a filer. No. <laughs> Do you think it's just a coincidence that he became a filer? Or was no. he destined to file? He was destined to file. <laughs> that happens. There's a lot of that. Well, better to be a paper filer than a pedophiler. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I suppose that's as good a spot as any to wrap it up. We do have an interview with uh, Joseph Farrell coming up right away. It'll come out in a couple weeks. But first, you guys can enjoy this one with Richard Lewis Miller. Everyone enjoyed the first one. Uh, oh, before we go, do check out the gases back on grimerica.ca slash GASA. We're, we're going to try and prove one way or another that the earth is either flat and or round or both or neither. We'll figure something out, maybe. And if not, we'll have a lot of fun sending some stuff into space. Maybe some seeds. Maybe some sperm. Sperm. I thought we were just going to send a chunkier calf. That too. Maybe some crystals. Yeah. We're open to suggestions. But yeah, head over there. There's a GoFundMe going. When that fills up, we're going to send some fucking balloons to the edge of space about. We should send a container to grab dust, space debris, and dust. Hmm. And, and like stuff and bring it down. A vacuum. We'll send yeah. up a vacuum. Yeah. It's vacuuming. Yeah. Good idea. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it, guys. I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, oh, we might do something at the end of May. We're not going to give out too many details yet, but uh, second last weekend in May, maybe save it if you're on the east west coast someplace. Well, if you want to fly from the east coast, too, yeah. yeah. No flying. You have to drive. Let's make that a rule. <laughs> no. Hey, we drove to... I was gonna do Fucking a whole. Minneapolis I was back. gonna do a whole weather modification segment, but I'll save it for the next time. Oh, good! Now they know to skip the intro next week. <laughs> Just kidding. People love the uh, weather modification stuff. All right, guys, you guys will love the chat with Dr. Richard Lewis Miller as well. You may listen to this network with assurance that all sources of news will be properly labeled and will bring you frequent summaries of all information available. such a good time not too long ago with Dr. Richard Miller that we decided that uh, we, were, we were talking afterwards and we thought we'd have him back on again. Uh, last time we were talking about his book, Psychedelic Medicine, and he's got another book in the works that's a little bit hotter and sexier than that called Sexual Medicine. And um, Dr. Richard Miller, if, if those of you don't know, he's got his own 
his own mind, mind, body, health, and politics radio broadcast. And his little quote here, the mission of that is, the mission of mind, body, health, and politics is to expand consciousness, stimulate thought, enhance mental and physical health, and encourage community. That's a great summary there. We like it. That sort last episode was 265. 265, right on. So our so last this episode. Is a new record. Yeah. For sure. No one's got back on the show this quickly. Yeah. So congratulations. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, it was. It, we had a blast last time and lots of good feedback from that show. And, um, you know, we haven't really touched on... Actually, that's probably one topic we haven't really talked a lot about. Well, I is, think that's why we decided to do this so quick, because we were just kind of hanging up with Richard when he mentioned this. And we were like, well, hell, we've been kind of looking to talk about that. It's yeah. a pretty controversial topic as well. Shouldn't be. Well, it shouldn't be. That's the point, right? It shouldn't be controversial, but it is. There's a lot of uh, stuff going on, especially in the you know in the media Everybody's lately. Everybody's doing about, it. Yeah. So, so what do you? What got you uh, interested in in talking about sex? Hypocrisy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy bends people's minds. Hypocrisy creates inner conflict. Hypocrisy leads people not to go, not to know which end is up and what direction to go in. And we have an epidemic of hypocrisy in our country. And so I look around at which of the topics where hypocrisy is having the major negative impact. And one of the areas, of course, was the one we talked about last time, which is what my book, my first book is about. I mean, the book we talked about last time, Psychedelic Medicine. That whole book is all about what scientists are bringing us now with regard to the huge potential of psychedelic medicine. But there's also in that book, the underlying realization and theme that the reason we don't know more about these psychedelic medicines is because the public has been deprived for over 80 years of any kind of research because of hypocrisy, moralizing, ideology, and religion all in one ball. Fast forward or fast to the side, we have the exact same situation going on with human sexuality. Think of it. Here is an activity which I think a very high percentage of us would agree is the most exciting experience that one can have on the planet. I mean, please argue with me if you will, but what can you tell me as an experience in your lifetime? Skydiving, maybe? As overpowering, (laughs) is as exciting, is as pleasurable as an orgasm. What comes in number two? Skydiving, maybe? Skydiving, yeah. Have you ever played Call of Duty? (laughs) No. I I mean, I've been up in a... I've been a private pilot. I've I've been up there alone in a plane. It's pretty exciting to be up there alone because if you don't do it right, you're gone, and you know it every second. It still doesn't match with an orgasm. It's a whole different thing. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, yeah. I mean, you might be able to have those experiences that are pretty crazy, like skydiving, things like that. But it's like, what if you had to give one up? <laughs> okay, A, I give up skydiving. B, I give up orgasm. 
Uh, do I have to think about that? I don't uh, think not so. Not for very long. I don't think so. The other thing is that having an orgasm is arguably cost-free. <laughs> Skydiving costs money. Skiing costs money. Going fast in a car costs money. Going to a movie costs money. Eating great food costs money. Having an orgasm? A person can pleasure themselves, and as the experts are telling us all around the country, making love with yourself is making love. Making love does not require two or more people. One person can make love with themselves. And as many of us know, I'm not going to say all, but many of us know, we can make love to ourselves and make ourselves or elicit an orgasm from ourselves. And furthermore, doing it in the privacy of our home, it costs us absolutely nothing. Why aren't we banging the bells? Why aren't we ringing chimes? Why aren't we screaming and saying orgasms for everybody? Help yourself. Have as many as you possibly can. That's not what's going on. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. We don't even talk about orgasms. When was the last time you were out with a group of friends of any age, and you're sitting around, you're talking about baseball, you're talking about a good book you read, you talk about politics. When was the last time you talked about comparing orgasms? Tell me, guys. Well, we talk, we talked about it on the show a little bit, blue balls and stuff like that, and we had a big argument about that. So that, that brought into orgasms a bit, and I was playing around without having one for a while to see how that would go. Like, But... You know, so us guys, like we, we we can talk about it a little bit, but I do understand what you mean. But you, but let's stay with my point. You guys are, you know, on air, and so of course you talk about all kinds of topics on air. That's your job because you want to bring us stuff and educate us and help us, and I appreciate that. That's why I'm here. But what I asked was, when was the last time either of you two gentlemen were in a social situation? And you were talking about various topics. And then one of the topics that was put on the table is, let's talk about our orgasms. Let's talk about how were they from zero to 10 in the last week? Uh, what did it make you feel like? Uh, did you do it alone? Or did you do it with other? When was it? Do you, is, is or, are orgasms a topic of conversation? Okay. Okay. Huh? Yeah. We, we, we touched on it recently when I, I was in a social situation with a bunch of friends of the show. They're, they're friends of the show and we might've been online, but we weren't airing or anything like that. And it came up very briefly, but it, we so, don't, we don't get into the details that you're talking about. But like, that was that's, still all guys. That was still right. all guys. Yeah. Right. You get my point. Yes. Yeah, right? so I really get your point. Yeah. It's a taboo topic. Yeah. Is drinking water a taboo topic? No. Is Eating at your favorite restaurant or what is your favorite restaurant or is there any good restaurant in town? A, a, a taboo topic? No. Is sleeping at night? Getting a good night's sleep? A taboo topic? No. How about breathing air? Whoever heard of people being, oh, you shouldn't breathe air. Don't breathe any air. Don't talk to me about breathing air. That's not. No. Because air and sleeping and food are part of the human experience. And they are topics which are allowed in fine company yeah. and in rough company. <clears throat> However, we switch now to that other topic, sex 
sexual behavior, orgasm, taboo. So what we're doing is we're taking something fantastically pleasurable. We can do it alone. We can do it with others. It doesn't have to cost us anything. And we've made it taboo. We've made it dirty at times. We've made it forbidden at times. We've made it not allowed on the big screen coming out of Hollywood. You can see it on X-rated television. I mean, uh, internet, of course, but that's a breakthrough. But you see where I'm going with so, all this. So, so the hypocrisy comes in because it's in our face all the time, and yet we're not supposed to talk about it. Like, you know, it's still taboo, yet they throw it in our face. It's exactly right. Look, look at advertisements. Yeah. Pick up a newspaper. Look on television. Look at the newscaster ladies on television. Breasts, breasts, cleavage all over the place. Look at the Cannes Film Festival. Look at the Academy Awards. Breasts. <laughs> Cleavage down to your navel everywhere. <laughs> Advertisements are selling whatever product that, you know, you sell a washing machine, pretty girl with cleavage. We're using sex all over the place for all kinds of reasons in advertising and commercialization. But then go to talk about it with friends openly. No, no, no. Taboo. And then what's taught in schools is absolutely absurd. And then people get together, hook up when they're in their teens, or if they wait and then they wait till they get married, the, the people who do that, how are they supposed to know what to do? How are they supposed to know what to do? They don't know what to do. How are they? All they know is sure, they can figure out that the penis goes inside the vagina, but so what? That's uh, yes, the word answer for the first couple making, of times. Right. That's not making love. And there's so much anxiety with it. And then the guys have to deal with this whole thing called achieving an erection. Achieving, right? Maintaining. As if, listen to the words we use. Maintaining. It sounds like a job. <laughs> achieving. I've got to, let's see, I achieved school. I achieved a BA. I got to achieve an erection. The words are ridiculous. And yet we have them. And what they're doing is undermining our mental health, undermining the fun that we have in life, creating this hypocrisy about all kinds of aspects that I haven't even gotten into yet. Mm -hmm. And the biggest one, which is what my book, Sexual Medicine, is going to really focus on, is that we're missing out, and here comes the red, big red headline, we're missing out on the healing aspects of sexual behavior. Because I believe that the reason that sex feels so good, that I believe the reason arousal, sexual arousal, feels so good to such a high percentage of humanity, I believe that the reason orgasms are so exquisite in their sensation is because all of these events 
are creating healing inside of our bodies. And that is what we're missing out on. By, by negating it, by putting it down, by making it so twisted, we are missing out on huge healing potential that we have absolutely no idea of. It's like healing, and healing, physical, emotional. Exactly. Exactly. I believe that these sensations, these psychophysical sensations, tingling, arousal, erection, lubrication, orgasm, are all sending neurotransmitter messages throughout our body and they're doing repair. And that is what is built into the human organism to have that kind of repair system. And that is what we are both having and not having. Hmm. We're having it because so many of us engage in sexual activity, even with all the forbidden aspects of it. But we're not having it because we're not maximizing our potential and because we're creating conflicts for people. And I haven't even gotten to the to the length of the conflicts, including those uh, of that belong to certain religions. Mm-hmm. The number of people who belong to certain religions that disallow sexual activity before marriage is enormous. It runs into the billions. And yet these people are functioning. And I wonder, and I'm asking the question of science, to what extent by not participating actively with great education, by what, to what extent by not participating actively, are these people not only denying themselves the healing power of sexuality, but they are actually creating dis-ease. Mm. Dis-ease. And, and you, you guys, one of you two mentioned something a few minutes ago where you said you, you, uh, you, uh, you had a discussion on, on your program uh, some time ago about the, what, what's in the vernacular called blue balls. Yep. Well, right. Now, most guys know what we mean when we say, quote, blue balls, unquote, is a building up of sexual energy, including fluid in the testicles. And by not having a release that we call ejaculation, which means the fluid projecting out of the penis, by not having that, we have this buildup and there's pressure. And if the pressure goes on long enough, it hurts. We hurt in the, in the scrotum. And it can be extremely painful. But one can ask oneself the question, as I do, why would any guy wait that long when you have an immediate release? If you can't find a compatible partner, you have an immediate release of masturbation. Well, most guys know this. And so even our Catholic brothers who were told that something bad's going to happen to them if they masturbate, a, a very high percentage of them go ahead and masturbate anyway. But what happens is in the back of their minds, 
And in the back of any little boy's mind or teenage boy's mind, who's bringing himself to orgasm, masturbating, having fun playing with his penis, there's also that little message from the culture that maybe you're doing something bad. Yeah, which could be and, stifling the healing, really. Which is exactly. stifling all, is causing all sorts of problems. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, stifling the healing. Furthermore, when I was a little boy and talked to my friends about playing with our penis, everybody in our gang knew that you had to do it sneaky because you sure didn't want your mother or your father walking in while you were doing that because you were doing something bad, wrong, uh, who knows what, depends on your family. But I've never met a kid who said to me, oh yeah, I was playing with myself and my mother walked in and I chatted with her and then she walked out of the room. Baloney, as soon as any parent showed up, there was a quick motion to make sure they didn't see what we were doing. Well, what that leads to is men practicing coming in the vernacular, orgasming, ejaculating quickly. You want to get it over with because somebody might come. I mean, they might. I didn't mean that as a pun. (laughs) I mean, somebody might arrive in the room and then you're caught playing with your penis by your mother or your father. Oh, terrible. So you do it quickly. So I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of guys learn to do it quickly. And then you spend the rest of your time trying to learn how to slow slow it down. down. (laughs) Exactly my point. After you spent years in routine because you didn't have a partner learning how to do it quickly, all of a sudden you suddenly have to start figuring out how to do it slowly. You know what? It doesn't work with a lot of guys. It's too late. You laid down the tracks on your soft drive. Yeah. No intended. It went down into your hard drive. No pun intended. And you got some lines built in there and you just keep on coming quickly. And that's why there's plenty of evidence that in intercourse, the average male in this country orgasms. We should guess. We should guess. Yeah. Less than three minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was going to guess like three minutes. minutes. So that, you know, basically we're like dogs and rabbits. Now, (laughs) from a, from a, from a a procreation point of view. Well, that's probably good for us. That's why we're still here because we just been like, no, you don't have time to change your mind. Right. Procreation point of view. Three minutes. Excellent. Go find somebody else. Do it again. As many as you can. But that's not the way our life is, and that's not the way our culture is. The way our life is, is that because of all these beliefs about sexuality, the vast majority of us move towards hooking up with one other person. Well, if you hook up with one other person, let's say you're a male, and you hook up with a person of the opposite sex or the person of the same sex. If, if you come, if, if you have your orgasm in less than three minutes, what next? But suppose the other person doesn't complete that quickly, or suppose the other person just likes to make love for a long period of time. Well, then you got an issue to deal with. 
And that's why therapists have so many people coming into our offices with what's been called premature, premature ejaculate. Listen, these words we make up to describe this stuff, premature ejaculation. In other words, that means you came faster than you can? No, that means you came faster than you would if you could wait longer? No, What that means that you came faster than the other person is happy with you for? <laughs> Whatever it is. Means you dropped the ball. <laughs> because if you did something right, it wouldn't have a name like that. So, right. it's really, so it's really like sexual incompatibility and, and, um, and we've learned to do it that, like we've learned to be incompatible in a way. Correct. And what person wants to walk around with a title on their head? I'm a premature ejaculator. How do you do? I mean, that doesn't sound like fun, but it comes again. Remember the basis of all this hypocrisy, hypocrisy, because if we weren't hiding when we were masturbating, if in fact, instead, what we were taught as little boys and girls, that we were taught about how to masturbate. In fact, if we were taught that what we can do is that we have a lot of choice that we can either we can either masturbate and make ourselves have an orgasm or 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 wait or suppose little boys and girls are taught you can spend the afternoon once in a while making love to yourself touching your arms touching your legs touching the inside of your thighs poking your fingers around taking a nice warm bath putting oil on your skin and on and on and on and on and on and then after you've done this for a half hour or 45 minutes, then take your genitals in your hands and touch them in the following way. And then you teach them how to do it. It would be a whole different way of life. Suppose while they were doing that, suppose while they're being taught how to make love to themselves, they were also taught how to create what we call guided images, pictures in the mind that we purposefully make up. And suppose we were taught how to take these exquisite sexual feelings and and direct them to a part of the body that's in need of repair. Yeah. What would happen if you learn how to direct your sexual energy to a problem you are having with your stomach or your kidney or your liver or a sore throat or your heart. And on a regular basis, you aroused yourself either alone or with a partner or multiple people. We'll, we'll talk about multiple people later on the show. Please remind me if I forget. No problem. Yeah, because that's another topic in and of itself, multiple people. Um, But suppose you're taught to use the power of the mind. And the kundalini, I guess you could say. Correct. And then direct the sexual energy, as I said, to a part of the body that could use repair and healing. Am I what? We need research on this. Yeah. And we don't have any. Yeah. Because the topic itself is so taboo that we really don't have what you'd call scientific research on the healing power 
of human sexual energy. Yep, and yet there's porn everywhere for these kids. I mean, I remember finding we, we this comes up on the podcast all the time with people from my generation. Like we would find playboys in the woods, like you know, like half like half torn apart and like you know missing pages and like probably 10, 11 years old, we'd find playboys in the woods, and that was like you know that was porn those days. Kind of now, it's got to be everywhere for kids. I don't know. I, I don't spank bank when uh, you got home. Probably so you could like do it quickly. I I was probably just more fascinated by it back then. I don't think you know masturbation started then, but I mean right now it's got to be posing a problem now with all the you know all the availability of porn as well for kids. I mean, how do you keep yeah. kids away from it? How do you block that? Well, I've even heard now you've got the new epidemic of these women who are complaining about a generation of like these kids that are raised off porn. So that's just how they think sex goes. Yeah. Oh, so you, what, the, what, what they're saying is that the kids come to believe that what they see on the internet is how sex works. So yeah. Yeah. It's basically jackhammer away kind of thing. Right. Well, you know, that's a very interesting point because I had a patient one time and at various points in my career, I've taken patients to live uh, right near my house, you know, real close, like in a trailer on the same property with me or in, a, in an outbuilding and uh, and to spare them a hospitalization because hospitalizations are really, uh, they, they can be extremely uh, uh, horrific experiences, particularly when you have uh, what's called, you know, mental and emotional uh, problems. I'm not talking about uh, hospitals for physical things, although those can be quite, you know, uh, difficult as well. But in any event, so I had this guy uh, uh, living in in, uh, in an outbuilding on my property, and um, one, and so he would eat with us, with my wife and my kids, uh, and I noticed that when he would eat, he would grab his fork and he would spear the food and he would grab it in his hand and, and instead of, and, and just use it almost like a hammer, you know, grab the fork, point it straight down and reach out and spike the food. <laughs> and, and he did it so hard that it would hit the plate because the fork would go right through the food into the plate. And if it was a serving plate, you know, he'd reach out and fork a piece and it would go right through. You could hear it banging. And so and, and I asked him one time, I said, you know, you you must notice that almost everybody else, we hold the fork in a certain way you know, down and then we cut the meat with the knife and then we pick up the food with the fork and put it in our mouths and you tend to spike it, you know, sort of like with a spear. And he said, yes, I have noticed that. And I said, well, how did you, how did you learn to do that? And he said, well, my parents were alcoholics and so they never ate with me. So they'd put me at the table in front of a, te of a television set and I'd watch television while I ate when I was a little tiny kid. And he said, what I like to watch the most were cowboy movies. And so in the cowboy movies, I see them sitting around the campfire. And when they wanted a piece of something, 
they spiked it. So that's what I've been doing ever since. Well, you brought up the kids watching pornography. If what you watch a lot of when you're little and it's the you don't see any other choice. See, it's not like he got to watch other movies where people ate like the rest of us. So he had a comparison. He didn't. In fact, when you think about it, it isn't that often when you watch a movie that you get to see people, you know, up close eating. It happens. It's not rare, but it's not that often. Fast forward now to the porn kids. If all they see with no alternatives, no education in school about making love, no education in school about sensuality, no education in school about set and setting, about creating a beautiful room to make love with yourself or your partner, about about the lighting in the room, about the smell in the room, about the ambiance. If you get none of that, you don't get that from your parents, you don't get that from school, and what you do get is very fast photographs of people putting their genitals into each other and jumping around like rabbits like crazy. Well, that's what you come to believe that's what you're going to try and do. It just makes sense. There's, there isn't much room for alternatives or options if you've never been presented any for over a certain number of years. Yeah. And that's the key, right? Over a certain number of years. It's not like the kid watches it once and never again. It's a steady diet. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've known girls that have said that they, they've had – Guys that won't, they can't, they can't come because they've, they're so used to masturbating that they can't even come with a woman now, right? Like it's that. So it's, it's, it's beyond now. It's past the premature thing. They've desensitized themselves to, to anything but themselves. I've been running into that with patients, exactly what you just said for the first time in recent years, where women are saying that, you know, guys are, are, are starting, they're doing things with them. And then the, the, the man can't go any further because he, he, he needs to watch porn or he needs to play with himself. Yeah. Yeah. Cocaine's yeah. a hell of a drug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. That'll do it to you too. So, so is there any, anybody, any, any cultures getting it right right now? Like did your research go into where we are at in North America here or Western? I mean, cause even we're d- different in Europe, I would say, but, but who's, who's closest to, to doing something right about this? Well, you know, the, the or can we guess? Sure, please go ahead and guess. <laughs> Iceland. No, <laughs> everything's Iceland. Um, what's the one down? Uh, Ar- not Argentina, but Brazil, maybe Brazil, or um, maybe some some European countries might be a little bit more. The countries, about it. the countries that have been noted for treating sex, human sexuality. as a natural phenomenon. The countries that have been noticed uh, noticed over the years for treating human sexuality closer to how we treat air and water and food and rest are the Scandinavian countries. And, And they have been that for as long as I can remember, going back 50, 60 years or more. They are the most advanced, but at the same time, they are the most advanced in many other ways as well. The, the, uh, I believe. They have the highest, all the top five infant mortality rates are all Scandinavian countries. 
high infant mortality? Well, like the best, the least oh, the deaths. Best. The best oh, infant the best. mortality. Yes, yes, yes. The lowest. Yes, they do. That's and, interesting. I wonder if there's a yes, correlation. I'm, I'm fairly certain, last time I looked, the country in the world where the people are the happiest is Denmark. Yeah, but all that is all just based on social programs. So it's basically you buy that award. You buy the happiest country award with your taxes. I think. My opinion. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm interested. Tell me what you mean. How do you do that? Well, because I think the way that they come out with the happiest people on earth is based on what they get for free. I, I really think that's it's how not they a true the numbers. Measure, because, yeah. No, I think it's a basically a member of the a, a measurement of the most socialized country, which is Denmark. They're also, well, that, you're also paying 65 or 70% of your fucking income in tax. They pay very high taxes. That's correct. And they get taken care of from the cradle to the grave. And you're correct about that. And that's the price they pay for their happiness. You're right. But anyway, getting back to sex, I, I think the, the Scandinavians, if I were going to, you know, I, I where I'm going to be looking in terms of the, uh, more research on the book and, and the answer to your question, I'm going to guess that the more primitive the people, what we call, what we call primitive, I want to correct that. It's not that they really are primitive, just like we call people savages, but they're not really savages. It's just that that's what we, we want to call them that because they don't live the way we live. Um, but the more primitive the people, I would say there's a good chance that their attitudes towards sex are healthier, yeah. would be healthier or more natural or more part of just life itself yeah, without yeah. without getting all this baggage that we put on it and all the hypocrisy. Yeah, I was going to mention that. The other thing to remember, guys, is that all this hypocrisy and negativity about sexuality has pretty much only been going on for the last 2,000 years. Well, that's the other thing I was going to ask you about, about back in the Roman times and the Greek times and some of the more historical area, um, periods that we're more familiar with. Like, was it was it different back then? Or, or when did it shift? So you're, are you thinking it was around Christ, Christianity when it shifted? It, it shifted pretty much with, um, with Christianity. That is correct. When the Roman, when the Roman uh, emperor... Uh, Constantine um, embraced Christianity as a religion, whereas prior to that, the Romans just had gods at the way the Greek did, the Greeks did, and they had celebrations and they had various ways of worshiping, but they didn't have a uh, an organized religion uh, and with prohibitions on sexuality. The Romans didn't, the Greeks didn't, going back, you know, the Egyptians. But with the advent of what we call now organized religion or more, you know, formal religion, uh, we've been dealing with this now, and, it, and it's been about 2,000 years. Uh, but that's only the Westerns. Remember, the, 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 uh, the Arab folks and the, you know, the, uh, the followers of Islam, they've got their own negative hypocrisy about sexuality yeah. and it, in many ways it's it's even stranger and more hypocritical than ours and there's a billion and a half of them so the chinese by the way the chinese 
going back over 2,000 years, were extremely wise about human sexuality. And they did a lot of the things that I was talking about earlier in the program, where they taught people. They had manuals. In fact, you can find them even now. If you, there are books from 2,500 years ago in, 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 in China and Japan, uh, which were manuals on making love. <laughs> and they were very straightforward about it. And they're really good books. I've looked at them. They're really, they're worthwhile now to look at. Isn't that what the and, Karma Sutra is pretty much? That's a yes, different culture. That, yeah, yeah, but it's a, it's a sex culture. guide. Yes, it was a sex guide, a way of teaching sexuality. And they dealt with all the issues now we have 20, porn years ago that we deal with now, you know, in terms of how to elicit more, you know, more sexual fun, how to make the other person feel good, how to prolong orgasm. They had advice for older people, older guys on purposely withholding orgasm in order to build up a bigger charge because they didn't have, you know, modern drugs like, um, you know, Viagra and, and, uh, and uh, testosterone and so on. So the Chinese were very hip way back. No question about that. They were smoking weed too. Some oh, wise right. motherfuckers. <laughs> and opium, of course. Of course. So, so um, okay, go ahead. No, please. Well, I was just gonna—I was gonna sort of change topic a little bit here. So, researching this book and getting ready to write this book, and and especially, you know, in the late, latest uh, sort of media political climate with all this, um, you know, hashtag Me Too and all the allegations and all the you know the real the real issues going on is has that uh, how has that affected your your process and have you had to sort of you know. I don't know. Have you had to really stop and think about this a little bit more or has it changed what you're going to focus on? It's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's a, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of got something to do with your, your research in a way. The hypocrisy is kind of coming to the forefront. Definitely. Definitely. And this whole issue that has been going on across the United States and now it's moving around the world, identifying men who have used their position of power mm -hmm. over a woman as a way of getting them <laughs> to acquiesce sexually. The fact that that in and exists is an outgrowth of the hypocrisy and the negativity towards sexuality that we have created. And here is why. If sexuality were welcomed openly, taught in the schools, accepted as a part of life, then women would be free to have sex whenever they felt like it. Mm -hmm. And men would be free to have sex with it whenever they felt like it, either with themselves or with partners. But what we wouldn't have, and, and so there would be, a, again, no pun intended, there'd be a coming together. People all over the place who wanted to make love with others would be able to make love with others. That would take away a lot of the predatory nature of sexuality. Because a lot of where predatory behavior comes from 
is not being able to get what it is you want to get. A predator is somebody who goes after another, a predator goes after another animal, either to eat them or in the case we're talking about sexually, is to do something with them sexually. But if sex were all out in the open, the first time some guy who was in power over somebody else decided to use his power in order to try to force them into sexuality, the person would be immediately outed because the woman or the man, whoever was the object of the predation, would be comfortable just going right outside and saying, hey, this guy just tried to get me to take my pants down because he's my boss and he's like putting pressure on me. Maybe I wouldn't get a promotion. Yeah. Why would they be able to do it? Because they wouldn't be afraid yeah. of being shamed. They wouldn't be ashamed of being put down. We do know that a very high percentage of the women who have had these terrible things happen to them never <laughs> spoke up, never spoke up for decades, who longer. Now they get the Monica Lewinsky treatment. Right. Look what happened to poor Monica. You, you've heard from her recently, right? She talks about her entire career got ruined to this very day because the president of the United States got together with her and, and, and she had oral sex with him. You know, on the other hand, people fight for opportunities to have a photograph with the president, a photo op. People pay a quarter of a million dollars to sit at a table to have dinner with the president. And here this girl had oral sex with the president. Why didn't she get a medal? Instead, what she got was ruined. Hypocrisy. Total hypocrisy. Instead, and it's, she got a pearl necklace instead of a medal. She got a pearl oh. necklace, right. But it doesn't. It didn't remain a pearl necklace. <laughs> Grammaracamerica.com. That kind of necklace dries up very quickly. It's not a gift that keeps on giving. And so, you know, th that was a great example you came up with, Monica, because uh, that's uh, we, we really should be ashamed of ourselves for what we did to that poor woman. That poor woman, young girl, president of the United States. And I'm not, I'm not saying she was either innocent or guilty. I'm saying she didn't do anything wrong. If anybody did anything, quote, wrong... It was Bill Clinton, if in fact he had a deal with his wife that said no sex with other people, then he broke a deal with his best friend. Yeah. But if he didn't have that deal, and only he and Hillary know, yeah. if they had a deal where he could go do that whenever he wanted, then he didn't do anything bad either. Yeah. Except for one thing. He lied. And that's the big thing. He was in a position of power over the person that he did the act with. Didn't the whole thing just end up being the perjury, really? He just lied about it? Well, then, he, of course. Then it was I did that he, not have sexual yeah. relations with that woman. That's right. But you know what else he did on the positive side is by saying that oral sex is not sex, he made oral sex okay in the United States. <laughs> and, no, that, and that's true, and there's evidence that people started having more oral sex all around the country after that because the little girls and little boys could just say to themselves, well, we're not having sex because the president said this. I did sex. not have sexual relations, my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, now, that, that, that quote you just gave was from um, 
that singer, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Nice. You remember? You I don't know. No, no, I thought I made it up. Jer no, Jerry, no, Jerry Lee stealing Lewis. material. <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis. Actually, he not only had sex with his little cousin, he married her. She was 14 years old. And he used that voice that you use. <laughs> huh. <laughs> I must have been channeling him. So where does, um, you know, prostitution and porn fit into this whole thing? Or like prostitution, like when you mentioned, um, you know, all the, the abuse and the power struggles and, and the men you know, women being afraid to come forward and, and men abusing power is part of that as well. And, you know, you mentioned because they can't have it when they want it or whatever. I mean, and that, that sounds glib and it sounds um, curt, but I think that, I think part of what you're saying is not only from our lack of education as, as upbringing as well, but also because um, there's no other outlet besides, you know, what is culturally acceptable right now. How can there be an outlet when girls are taught that if they have sex with different guys, they're sluts and they're bad sluts. And, and yet at the same time, boys are taught if you have sex with a lot of girls, you're a stud. Yeah. So, so boys are reinforced for it. Girls are put down for it. Both people have the exact same sex drive. Everybody wants to do it. But we discriminate against the women. Probably only one of them got to uh, climax, too. <laughs> Exactly. And then same thing with prostitution. Men made prostitution bad, illegal and illegal. And you go to jail for it. Why? Because men in power know darn well that if you let women sell sex legally, they're going to have an amazing amount of power. Think of it. Men, a man can sell anything. He can sell his brawn. He can sell his brains. If he can play basketball, he can play football. He can be a plumber. He can do anything. But a woman, if she sells sexual favors, gets put in jail. That's just another part of the hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. Tremendous amount of hypocrisy. On the one hand, we make them criminals. On the other hand, we pay them a fortune for selling us sexual favors. That's, the, that's one of the, that, that's right at the top of the big hypocrite list. Right at the top of it. And look at all, and look at the people who use the prostitutes most are the people who have money because they can afford it. And they include your politicians, the people who are making the laws to keep it illegal. That's no different than these, these politicians who screamed against, and, and the evangelists who screamed against homosexuality. And then it turned out they were hiring homosexual boys for sexual favors. Remember that whole group a couple yeah. of years ago? Yeah. Jimmy Swaggart, I think he was one of those characters. Right? Again, it comes down to hypocrisy. Why are we doing that to these women? Where is it written in the sky that if a woman wants to sell a sexual favor, she's a criminal? Why is it written that selling sexual favors is a bad thing? How is it that the, uh, we think so much of the fact that so many women that go into prostitution must have come from bad families, drugged families, mentally unbalanced families, and that's why they went into prostitution. Well, that's true. There are plenty of people who go into prostitution because they had shitty childhood award. But there are also 
plenty of people who go into prostitution because it's a way to make a living damn well. And another people, a lot of people go into it because they're good looking enough that they can make a ton of money fast. That's well, another reason for well, it. Well, and they get, they get paid for porn. So, I mean, you know, you, people can get paid to have sex. It's just so, um, yeah, I guess it's hypocritical on how that, that happens. Absolutely. You named it. If you have sex with one or a bunch of guys and somebody's filming it to sell the film, that's legal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But figure that have, out if you really think about it. With that same bunch of guys or one guy and take and, money for it without it being filmed, you can go to jail. You're a hooker. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty weird. And the other way, Isn't you're that, an actress. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, you know, I, I'm going to talk to Margot. Margot St. James started Coyote. That's the prostitutes union. Your listeners can look it up. Coyote. It stands for call off your old tired ethics. I'll put a link in the show notes. Call off your old tired ethics, the prostitutes union. And I wonder about that. Maybe a way to get around the criminality involved in prostitution is for every prostitute, every time she has sex with somebody, to make sure there's somebody there with a camera. As long as you're filming it, selling the film, it's not prostitution. You're making a porn movie. Just fucking <laughs> periscope that shit right to Twitter. Boom, <laughs> live, cut out the middleman. Right. Then you're selling it. You're not really a prostitute. The poor prostitutes. That wasn't always true in history either, that prostitutes were considered bad, negative, slutty, and criminals. There were times when they had very high positions historically, not only in this country, but in other countries as well, China and Japan, very much so. But we live in this age of mass of mass hypocrisy. So where and does it end up? Where, do, where are we a couple generations from now? Oh, where does it end up? It ends up with 71.2% of the United States obese or overweight. 71, I'm going to say it again for your listeners, 71.2% of the United States are now obese or overweight. At the rate we are going, it is statistically calculated that by the year 2030, which is just 12 little years away, 87 87% of the American public will be obese or overweight. 13% will be trim. That'd be like if one you, and two autistic. You guys are fucked. <laughs> if you two gentlemen are trim 12 years from now, you may find yourself having a difficult time getting clothing. Why is that? Because why make the clothing for 12% when you can make clothing for the other 88%? People don't I wonder what the odds would be that we would both be kind of trim. Pardon? I wonder what the odds are that we're, we're, we're co-hosts and we're both kind of trim. No, I'm slipping away you from are right kind now. of You are kind of rounded well, out. If you keep hanging out with me, guys, you're going to be very trim because I'm probably at least doubly both your age. I, I'll bet I'm older than the two of you combined. Oh, I don't and, think so. No? no Grant's pretty old. I'm 47. <laughs> and so. how old are you, Darren? 36. 47, 77. Yeah, not quite. Well, 
Wait a second. 47 and 30. Oh, is 77 and six is 83. No, I'm not quite there. But I don't know if you've seen what I look like. And uh, you, look, you look pretty good. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I, I can swim two and a half hours nonstop in the ocean and go for a three hour bike ride any day of the week. So that and, so that leads to the the answer of why people are getting over, obese and overweight. Then is because you're 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 staying in shape because I'm staying in shape because it's part of feeling good, feeling confident, not having body parts fall off and have to spend the last ten years of my life fighting disease and ill health. And because I know and have known for a long time that there's no separation of the mind and the body. And so if you let your body go, you're letting your mind go whether you want to or not. You show me a man who stands at the urinal and he's got a belly so big he can't see his penis. And I'll show you a man who's not happy with that situation. Yeah. If you're standing and urinating and you look down, there's too much fat for you to see your penis. You are not a happy man. I, I and you, you haven't can seen tell your you penis are, in a couple of years, and you need a wand to wipe your ass. That's right. There is such a thing. You're absolutely right. There's a special wand that people have to use to do that act. Well, eighty-seven. So you, I'm answering your question about where is this all going with this hypocrisy and this and this stifling of people. It's going to, to very ill health, sir, very mm. ill health. And when, when I'm talking right now, 71% of the population are obese or overweight. That is dramatic. That means there's massive human suffering going on because of very high. And I know there are people listening who are overweight and they're going to make the argument, you know, plenty of us are happy. And, and why are you saying that? I hope plenty of people who are overweight are happy. I hope you've been able to conquer that in some way and you're extremely happy. But that that is not the case for the majority of people who are obese and overweight. They haven't reached that level of, if you will, emotional, intellectual sophistication so they can overcome the slings and arrows of carrying around that much weight and walk around happy. So how does that relate to the, the, the sexual hypocrisy? Because when you have major drives within the human being that are stifled and oppressed, you create either hopelessness or or anger or anger. You push people down long enough, twist their minds, they're either going to get discouraged and unhappy or they're going to get angry and rebel. And if you can push them down long enough and large enough with enough force, you squelch the rebellion and you're dealing with hopelessness. And that's the cause of a great deal of drug addiction. And that's the cause of a great deal of the obesity epidemic. It's not just, by the way, it's not just the suppression of sexuality. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not a one trick pony. The other aspect that's suppressing that's even bigger than the hypocrisy about sexuality that's suppressing the human, the the American culture is the economic inequality. 
when you have economic inequality on as vast a scale as we now have, with so many people being suppressed and scared because if something should happen that they need a few thousand dollars, they don't have a few thousand dollars and they could lose their home. When you have so many people in that situation, you're causing huge emotional disturbance and major hopelessness. And I think that economic issue that I'm talking about is another one of the factors in the pie that's creating the hopelessness that's leading to the overeating as a temporary fix. And that's what it's about. The overeating is a temporary fix for a problem because at least it feels good in the moment when you got some kind of comfort food in your mouth. It's also more economical for people as well. I mean, the, that there's an econ- the economic issues are directly related to, to uh, food as well because it's just much cheaper to just buy junk. It really is. Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, and the same thing. Healthy food is way more expensive. Healthy food is more expensive. And then the other economic aspect of it is the junk food people have better access in supermarkets. They, they, they are able to buy shelf space where the average person is going to grab the food before getting their way back to the vegetables. Yeah. Avocado oil, 20 bucks. Fucking canola oil, three bucks. Yeah. And it's, and it's scary how much research these food companies have put into, to making their food addictive and, and the mouth feel and the, you know, the, it's really scary how much they've, they've done to. I'm so addicted to mouth feel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I you know, to hammer these down are very some important Pringles today. Uh, what'd you have? Some Pringles. Pringles. I seen some Pringles. I was just like, "Fuck it, man! I'm having some Pringles." <laughs> I've been pretty good lately. My wife's been on some some diet changes, so I've been just tagging along. So haven't been doing a lot of sugar, other than my coffee and tons of vegetables. And I mean, we I've always we've always eaten um, real food for the most part, so we're already pretty good that way. But lately, it's been like. None of that, like, junk food. I've had uh, chips for my weakness. So today I was walking and I seen some Pringles and I was just like, I'm fucking having some Pringles. But what were you saying, Richard, so that this crunchy. is, a, this is important? so good in my mouth. the mouth feel. I know, I'm oh. telling you. Uh, about uh, last week, I interviewed a guy on my radio show, Mind, Body, Health, and Politics. And he was representing something called the Blue Zone. And I want you guys to get hip to the Blue Zone. Okay. The blue zones are five areas of the world that have been identified where the people in those areas live 10 to 12 years longer on the average than we do. And they not only live longer, but they live much healthier. They don't spend the last years of their lives dealing with heart disease and cancer, kidney disease and so on. They have much less disease. National Geographic gave these folks a bunch of money to go around and do research on these five groups and bring back to us what they have in common that we could use in order to enhance our health and extend our lives. Blue zones. You go to Google, type in blue zone, you'll get all kinds of information about it. Five areas of the world. Stuff fascinating. What, what's stuff. the what are a couple of the main things like sex and community? 
Well, you nailed it. One of the main that they 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 gleaned nine principles that the five groups have in common, and community that you named is one of them. Yeah, these people hang around with each other. They socialize with each other. They make time to hang out with friends, and they consider it important. Yeah. Whereas in our culture, it's like something you do on a day off, you know, you're chilling with friends, but a lot of your time you're spending working, commuting to work, getting back from work, cuddling up in your apartment, and social time is hard, can be very hard to come by. These people build it into their daily lives, community, socializing, you're absolutely right. The, uh, uh, some of the other things, they build activity into their daily lives. They don't go to gyms, but the things they do are built into their lives. So we would have to make a couple of changes, maybe more than a few, and I'll give you a couple of examples. Instead of going to the gym, which I do regularly, but I'm about to make changes in my life because I was so affected by this Blue Zone program. If you do something like, don't use your television remote, and every single time you wanna change the station, you get up out of your chair and do it by hand, at the end of the year, the number of calories expended by getting up out of the chair just to turn the TV is enormous. Yeah, or parking at the end of a parking lot instead of right before the door. That kind oh, of thing. I do that all the time. Exactly. My exactly. truck's so big. My trucks are big, so I'm just like, fuck it. <laughs> exactly I'm just parking over here. If you purposely park just two blocks away instead of trying Whoa. to get it close, <laughs> right? Or three blocks. At the end of the year, that all adds up. Yeah. If you happen to have a garage door, if you're a person of that wealth and you have a garage and a garage door, instead of using the remote opener, if you get out and open the door, at the end of the year, the scientists have figured out how many calories. Well, you just keep doing things like that into your daily life. And have more sex. And have more sex. But you have to have time to have more sex. And we've got such a rat race going on in this country. We've got so many people get up in the morning. They got to commute to work. They get to work. They put in eight or nine hours. Then they get home. By the time they get home, my gosh, have a little something to eat. And if you have kids, talk to the kids for a few minutes. You pass out. When do you have time or energy for sex? Oh, everybody's got three minutes a day. Yeah, I got, oh, yeah, I got three, three minutes. Okay. I, can, <laughs> I can make five minutes anytime. <laughs> so, so what about the multiple people before we forget to touch on that? What were you going to say well, about that? You know, this, this is a whole topic in and of itself that because we have so many rules and regulations and negativity and hypocrisy, we haven't even begun to explore as a people what the advantages might be if we had sex in groups. We don't even know. We don't know anything. I'm not advocating for it. I'm not advocating against it. I'm simply saying we don't know. We just don't know. Uh, what we do know is that there are a significant number of threes in the United States, what the French call menage a trois. There are a significant number of threes, but they're afraid to talk about it mm -hmm. because People will think they're weird or perverts or all kinds of stuff like that. But it is happening. And typically, when people live together, 
sexually in threes and fours, it's not as much about the sex as you might think. It's about recreating family. And trust. And trust. And and honesty. Recreating family, trust, and honesty. Because typically when we grow up, if you're lucky enough to have two parents, there's three of you. And if you have a brother or a sister, there's four of you. So you spend a certain number of years of your formative years of your life living with, if you're lucky, with two parents and a couple of kids, four people at the dinner table in the house and so on. Then you go out into the world, all of a sudden you're alone again until maybe you hook up with somebody and start again. But at a certain point in your life, if you do the sort of average thing, you have a kid or two, the kids leave 18 years later, now you're in your 40s or 50s, you're back to a two if you're still married and not divorced. A lot of what the threes are about and the fours of living together is people getting together in their 40s and 50s and living in threes and fours. We don't have a lot of research on them, but they're out there. And they're recreating basic family and, as you said, trust. So they have a trusting group. And this connects to the blue zones because in the blue zones, there are people who have been hanging out together and sitting and shooting the stuff together for 95 years. Imagine sitting around with a bunch of people and you've been sitting around together on a regular weekly basis for 95 years. <laughs> the, amount, the amount of trust and support is almost not measurable by our standards. Yeah, it, It's phenomenal. They'll do anything for each other because they are each other. Yep, and that's when family gets extended to other people, like friends that are that you know that you love in your life. You know, like friendship is very important. You know, not just Absolutely. family. Yeah, Absolutely. that was that's built in the blue zones. You'll read about it. Yeah, friendship and family, friendship and family, over and over again. The importance of friendship and family. Yeah, I got to go eat dinner. All right, guys. Thanks. Can we guess what's yeah. for dinner? I guess pork chops. <laughs> pork chops. <laughs> Hey, it's been great hanging out with you guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for your time. And uh, we look forward to the book coming out. We really do. Sexual Medicine. And in the meanwhile, please remind your guests on your on your site to buy the books Psychedelic Medicine. It's out there. Amazon and, and uh, Barnes and & Noble. You can get it online easy. Psychedelic Medicine. Yeah, it's you, a great book, if I may say. Yeah, it's yeah, a good bet. book. Yeah, it is an awesome book. And and we'll uh, we'll link to it in the show notes with with our last interview as well. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks, buddy. Okay. Hey, Darren. Yes, sir. Let's just stay in touch forever. Sounds good, brother. Yeah, yeah, man. Okay. Email me anytime. And if you guys get out to the coast, you've always got a place to stay in our house. Sounds right, good. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Right, okay. Take care. Ciao. And that was our chat, part two, with Dr. Richard Lewis Miller. Yeah, that was good. Part that was awesome. Yeah. Was I liked fun. it. Yeah, I think it's kind of what I thought. He was going to, uh, he hits things pretty hard, you know, the psychedelic thing, all the research he's got in there. And then this thing, he's probably going to have tons of research in there as well. And and uh, lots of interesting <laughs> things. I totally agree with him about the hypocrisy of it. I mean, we are living in a weird society. Where we're just, it's we're fucking in, in your face constantly, but there's tons of shame in, around it. We're living in the hypocrisy fucking era. Yeah. I feel like it's all coming to light. Yeah. Right. It's interesting that he picked that one with the psychedelics. Yeah. Well, sex on mushrooms, we'll powerful thing. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I don't know. Maybe yeah, you not. Know. You haven't done it? Didn't you haven't tried? I, I think try. I have. You think you have had sex or eaten mushrooms? I was probably coming down at the time, but yeah, I'm pretty sure both together. Both? Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, big thanks, Dr. Richard, coming on the show. Buy his other book, Psychedelic Medicine. We'll let you know when this one comes out. And uh, while you're buying stuff, head on over to grimeramerica.ca slash support, guys. Do sign up for a monthly there if you can. It's a bunch of different options. Um, There's a Patreon now. There's a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash America. We have our first patron. So that's nice. He was saying I have to adjust the amounts or something, yeah. but I got, I'll, I'll take a look at it. It's working. He was able to sign up for five bucks. So that's, I don't think there's a limit on Patreon. I thought I got the sense he could just punch in whatever he wanted, but I'll take a look because we definitely want you guys to be able to punch in whatever you want. So I think if you punch in the number on Patreon, it just automatically becomes a monthly um, people did ask if they should switch over. You don't sh- don't switch over. PayPal's fine. PayPal's still preferred. Patreon works too. Um, yeah, we can't yeah. do this without you. We can't do this without you. You guys are part of the team. So yeah, thanks for the people who do support the show. Support the show if you can. When you can, spam the show. Gram the show. Tell your friends about this motherfucker. You guys are only marketing venture. What else? Yep, you guys are the marketing team. You guys are the marketing team. The production team. What else? The producers. We were finally able to put the to producers move, to produce oh, to the production to team. move the production team from ground from Visa to yeah to you guys. Visa. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored by Graham's credit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, big thanks, guys. Support the show. Those of you that do really do keep the wheels going. Couldn't do without you. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. It was a plain old day. It, it was a plain old day. Just sipping on my lemonade. And also chilling, chilling in the shade. Waiting for that day that I get paid. On the rock and roll jukebox. The rock and rock and roll jukebox. That's me on the rock and roll jukebox. But maybe I should take my dreams out to the curb. Next to the track. Nostradamus, you fit right in there with the prophecies of Nostradamus. Lottery ticket, the, the lottery ticket. Lottery ticket, the lottery ticket. You feel me? Can you feel this? Can you feel this? Broken heart, broken heart. You use too many plastic bags. You use too many plastic bags. Second verse. There's some more important matters at hand. Like earlier in the first verse when I said I was chilling in the shade, sipping on my lemonade. That was a flat out lie. Actually, the time being, it's the dead of winter. I saw the greatest minds of my time black out in the media fog. Can you feel this broken heart?
Crimeerica.ca slash support. Thank you. 